Hey guys and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. Now at the time of recording, uh, this is the 19th of May, um, the shows for this season are, um, or for this month sorry shall we say, um, feder- other federations are starting to come into play aren't they? You've got um, Fit X shows going ahead this month um, and next month and I think PCA as well um, but you know for the first part por- push. Por- part of the season uh, we had sort of two bros do four shows in four weeks which really was um, pretty damn incredible and if you are competing this season I just want to wish you a massive good luck um, from myself and everyone here at Video Physique. So on to the sort of topics of today's podcast and um, this is sort of briefly going to cover um, I'm sure what you've already heard before in regards to peri-workout nutrition uh, but I'm just going to go into a little more detail a little bit about highly branching cyclic dextrin, um, and then a little bit about you know protein intra workout and is it necessarily needed? So for those of you that don't know, um, highly branching cyclic dextrin, otherwise known as sort of cluster dextrin, is a supplement um, that's become widely used across the industry in fitness years. Many people will consume this sort of intra workout where they're going to combine it with some form of protein um, or you know, in creating monohydrate, which I'm, I'm sure you've. Um, already listen to the podcast on them, um, or if not, check out the articles on the website. And whilst its consumption is kind of becoming increasingly popular, um, I suppose, a lot, as are most supplements, um, a lot of people will take it without having any sort of real idea as to behind, like the idea behind why they're doing so, and uh, without the awareness that uh, you know benefit that it could bring to their physique and particularly their training performance. So. You know, highly branching cyclic dextrin, HBCD, I'm going to call it. Um, simple, simple as that, it's a carbohydrate. It's made using a, a unique enzyme that forms a, a cluster structure when broken down um, from starch, and, and the resulting product is a novel form of maltodextrin, which you may be heard of, uh, known as highly branching, highly branching cyclic dextrin, or HBCD, as I've said. Um, now, maltodextrin and HBCD are very, very different. Um, in regards to how the body um, processes them. Maltodextrin has specific properties, which means it draws a lot of water into the stomach to be emptied um, and ultimately absorbed and used by the body. Creating, you know, whilst you're, you know, if you consume that whilst you're training, you know, creating a lot of um, just, just stomach bloating, really gastric stress, whatever you want to call it. However, HBCD, Kind of has the complete opposite of those those properties you've heard. You know we said about maltodextrin, by which it is rapidly emptied from the stomach. The stomach, you know, absorbed, digested by the body, it does not require um, a lot of water to be drawn into that stomach for it to be to be emptied. And you're probably thinking, well, okay, well, why does that matter? Um, at this point, you know, we're all generally aware of the fact that we need fuel in the form of carbohydrates when training to meet the energy demands. When you know in the hack squad, giving it the absolute beans. Um, energy from carbohydrates that we ingest in our pre-workout meal, perhaps a little bit earlier in the day, are going to aid in fuel muscle contraction um, and ultimately you know help help keep us going during our session. However, you know as you progress and you get stronger, it's likely that some of these sessions might be taking you like a while to complete, like maybe maybe two hours, um, and also like the load on the bar, you know, is getting heavy and it's, it's, it's your body's as you know. You're being asked to produce a lot of energy. To this point, you know, our blood sugar um, can maybe begin to drop a little bit or our ability to contract muscle um, to its absolute you know, fullest or produce as much energy is consequently affected. And 
This obviously isn't ideal if we are trying to have our performance as high as it possibly can throughout the whole session, trying to put as much effort into every, you know, as much effort in the last set as you put into the first. So <clears throat> to avoid this, of course, you're going to first ensure you have an adequate pre-workout meal. Um, however, on occasions, most occasions, you know, for me, it's, it's every single every single session that I have, um, it's more than likely you're going to need to put some sort of um, intra-workout carbohydrate in there as well. Now, your pre-workout meal um, is maybe going to be about 90 to 120 minutes prior to the train session. Um, and then to, to then go in and take like a, you know, a two-hour train session, um, it's a lot of time for, for not a lot of food to go in. Um, and this is where HPCD um, can kind of come into play and really be, really have its benefits. So because of its sort of rapid absorption properties, it means that if it's consumed during your workout, it can be, it can be used as sort of readily available fuel um, immediately and effectively keep sort of performance high, blood sugar levels stable, um, ultimately meaning you've kind of got more energy to put into your sets, which will elicit further muscle damage and as such, provide you know muscle damage itself provides a necessary stimulation for new muscle mass uh, to be added you know during the recovery process which you'd say is ultimately the aim of, of what we're trying to achieve in bodybuilding um i'll get into protein intra workout um, and why it's going to help um but in general consuming carbohydrates around the workout parameter um it should be shown to to kind of promote the, the recovery process um, and for those carbohydrates that are consumed around the workout parameter to be more sort of used as fuel um, or to be driven into tissue um, opposed to opposed to fat cells. So you're probably wondering, well, how does, okay, you, you said that it had the benefit of consuming it after, you know, during your workout. Um, what about, you know, what's it going to do for us after? Because some, some bodybuilders, or large amounts of food will will actually have a shake with cyclodextrin in post-workout. So, as I just said, consuming large amounts of carbohydrates in the post-workout window, so directly after training, um, you know, it, it, it's almost a, a given, right? On Instagram, you've seen it. <coughs> the the cereals, the bagels and jam, um, whatever it is, you know, you, you're probably familiar with my post post-workout Google Pops or Pop Tarts. Um, and we're not just doing that because they're tasty and they look good. You know, we're doing it for a specific reason. Um, it, effectively, the, these sort of carbohydrates that we take in, the large bolus, um, effectively offsets muscle protein breakdown and upregulates um, muscle protein synthesis. And that, by that, it's been a fancy word for muscle building. Um, that's where, you know, post-workout, you'd definitely be consuming protein with that at the same time to help fuel um, that muscle protein synthesis. But... That's kind of key to starting the recovery process and and the building process from the work that you've just done in your session. So if, you know, in your post-workout shake, if you, you know, you know, I've got some guys on 200, 250, 300 grams of carbs post-workout and they're like, Vaughn, I've got a jaw pump from all these bagels. And I'm like, right, well, what I can do is we could kind of have a, a whey shake with, you know, say 60, 80 grams of cyclodextrin and, you know, have a, a one less bagel or you know have 100 grams less cereal um, and, and that, that, that often works really, really well why because we get that spike of insulin and um, because we know how rapidly you know absorbed and digested hbcd is that that's exactly what we want if you're unsure again go listen to that peri-working nutrition so i'm going to come to 
<coughs> the, the cheaper alternatives, as I said, the, the malt addiction, because so many people just go for this and they kind of think, oh, well, you know, it's same, same, but different, right? Um, and, and the answer is, is no. Um, I touched on this briefly at the start, but due to its molecular properties, it's just harder to digest, harder to, to absorb. And if you were to ingest it into a workout, this carbs is pretty much going to sit in your stomach until your workout is, is finished. You might feel bloated whilst training. You know, let's say, for example, um, you because you're bloated, it takes away your sort of performance, your concentration on those top sets. Maybe perhaps you usually wear a belt and then you can't put the belt on because it just feels too uncomfortable. Uh, maybe, you know, perhaps you're confusing the bloat for, for gas, you're running to the toilet, your mind's not in the workout. Um, so with that being said, it's sort of clear that the benefits of HPCD over over malt addiction are, are far greater. Um, so what I would say is that even though HPCD is slightly more expensive, um, and the reason it is more expensive is because it kind of has to go through rigorous manufacturing processes, um, it will be far more beneficial um, to your training performance, to your recovery, than the maltodextrin. Um, I had one client actually last week who said, oh, I actually realized I was using maltodextrin instead of HPCD, is that okay? And I was like, absolutely not. Please, please go and change that. Um, so personally, I don't really think the two are compatible, how, although, HBCD is derived from maltodextrin. I don't feel that they're the same thing or can be kind of put in the same category, um, if I'm honest. Because the reason I say this is because I used both, you know, way back in the day, um, back in 2017, I was using maltodextrin. I used it for like a year and I, without one, without thinking, I was like, why am I, why am I feeling like this? And it was only really when I learned about the osmolarity of it, the molecular weight, um, you know, fancy words for, you know, the molecular properties that I said about it, I realized, right, okay, that's why I'm feeling like this. And you might be, you know, some of you might be wondering, say, right, Vaughn, you know what, this bodybuilding thing, this is, this is fucking expensive. Is it actually really needed? Um, and similar to probably what I'll say with the consumption of protein to work out, the straight answer is no. You know, if you hit your cal calorie demands for the day, you will be able to add muscle mass. You will be able to record for your sessions without any problem, you know. Moreover, if your calories have to go quite low during a dieting phase um, and are fairly low, you might prefer to, to eat your carbohydrates than drink them. I totally understand that. Um, however, it's worth noting that you know, if you've been using high, you know, HPCD and you suddenly remove it because you want to eat an extra rice cake or a couple of rice cakes later, uh, your performance might instantly suffer because your body's used to having a little bit of sort of fuel as, uh, as you are training. However, you know, as I said, from personal experience um, and kind of client experience over the years, supplementing HPCD intra or post um, is hugely beneficial, especially if you're someone that trains very, very hard, is very strong and has a large amount of muscle mass. I think that if you're at the beginning of your journey, you, you'll probably just be fine if you simply eat your foods and, you know, you give it the fucking beans. Now, nevertheless, um, anecdotally, I've been using this supplement as i said from the early days after that sort of 2017 period um and was weighing about 98 kilos and, and at the peak of my off season was 130 kilos i stand by its benefits um personally without intra workout um that's an addition of carbs and um prote protein um i i get significantly much more doms the next day and it affects my performance and um, so i've always had uh intra workout for for as long as I can remember, uh, but more in particular, it's, it's not when I don't have EAAs, it's when I don't have my intra-workout carbs, I tend to get them um, 
so something anecdotal for you to take take on board there. So the the next, um, I guess what I could could kind of say to summarize that would be that you know it's going to aid in performance. It's going to help the recovery process, it's particularly of those sort of like trained earlier on in the workout. Like if you think about it, let's see you're doing legs and delts. Well, when you're in your your delts part of your session, the part of your legs that you trained at the start, they're starting to recover, right? So that's where your cyclic dextrin, if it's not getting used for energy and performance, and um, it can be start to, to sort of be utilizing the recovery process for muscle strain on, on the workout. Um, it can be a great addition to the post-workout shake if you're sort of food is fairly high and your appetite is low um, however it's definitely not essential whatsoever um, so the next part of the podcast I thought these kind of go hand in hand would just be to, to discuss you know do you need protein into workout and you know for as long as I can remember there's been a huge debate within the fitness industry about the use of protein into workout you know this discussion has large, largely been um, around the benefits of supplementing branched chain amino acids BCAAs and you know, whether or not it helped the quote-unquote gains or was just expensive piss water, as, as some people said, all you need to do is probably go type in uh, BC, BAs or, you know, B, B, BCAs, good, and Google and you get thousands, thousands of articles, studies, blogs, um, will come up for people arguing for against it um, and for for those that's, that kind of say they're for it. You know, so before we get into, kind of get into it, um, we should probably establish what exactly branched amino acids are, right? Um, amino acids themselves are the building blocks of protein. You know, there's over 20 different types of amino acids, which can be categorized into two different subgroups. And we're gonna call one essential and one non-essential. Um, and they mainly differ from where we get these. That is that the sort of non-essential, there's 11, 11 different types of these. These, these can be produced within the body. Um, whereas the essential amino acids, EAAs, which there are nine different types cannot be produced by the body and as such they must be obtained from our diet right so these have you know amino acids themselves this particularly the, the 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 nine these have a variety of roles uh, within the body such as tissue growth energy production immune function and nutrient absorption um, and, and kind of critically the the evidence has shown that all of the nine essential amino acids are required for optimal uh, muscle growth however when it comes to branched chain amino acid supplements, you know, they only contain three out of the nine. So, you know, that kind of brings to brings to a little debate to the argument of saying, okay, well, there's only three of the nine. Is that really kind of going to help us for overall muscle growth, performance, recovery, etc., etc.? Um, so because that's kind of information that came out, you can see why the popularity of B BCAs um, have decreased over the years, over the past couple of years, and, ins- and instead, as a you know a replacement, your EAs, your peptopros, and your complete proteins, um, which contain all of the, the sort of the nine, have become increasingly popular. Um, that's kind of due to education, I think. A lot of coaches preaching uh, the same sort of message. So, what I'm going to, I mean, everyone's got their their own opinion, right? So, what I'm going to talk about first is the pros of supplementing protein into work and this again will lead on really well from the hbcd so whether you are already in bodybuilding or are just getting started with your with your journey um, you'll know all about the importance of protein in our quest to get you know fucking jacked and, and add new muscle mass if you haven't already worked out you know your protein target for the day is mostly going to be 
roughly about 1.1 grams of protein for every pound of body weight. Um, so if, for example, you were a female that weighed about 130 pounds, roughly consuming about 140, 145 pounds of protein, uh, or 145 grams of protein a day um, would, would work really well. Um, that estimation, however, does vary if you are like an assisted male using anabolic steroids, uh, you know, your protein intake is going to need to be a lot higher to support the levels of you know, anabolism or, you, could, you know, layman's terms, recovery that you are sort of capable of in getting uh, absolutely jacked. That might go as high as 1.2 um, or 1.3 grams of protein per pound of body weight. Um, easy. And, you know, although the, the process of gaining muscle happens after it's been sort of broken down in the gym, you know, during rest, recovery, um, specifically sleep, you know, we we want to try and optimise um, our recovery or manage it um, through our sort of daily protein intake and, and scheduling it, scheduling it um, evenly across the day. And you're probably thinking, well, well, why would we do that? So our body's in this constant flux of muscle protein breakdown, muscle protein synthesis, meaning that we're always either, you know, our body's always trying to either try to break muscle down or sort of build it back up. And as bodybuilders, we want to try and maximize our body's ability to, to build, don't we? You know, build as much as muscle as possible. Um, and as we know, in order to do that, we need a baseline dietary protein intake with a particular emphasis on proteins that are containing all, all, all the nine um, you know, food sources that, that are known to have all complete proteins, um, versus you know ones that are you know we're not going to live off breads or pastas or whatnot that are full of incomplete proteins um but what i would say that it's kind of crucial that having a sort of constant influx of protein throughout the day every sort of two two you say two to three hours um opposed to having everything in the same the same setting um i would would think would maximize our body's ability to to do that so with this in mind, if you think about your sort of current protein intake and distribution, it is likely that you're going to have, you know, some protein as part of your pre-workout meal, wait a couple hours, maybe you're going to train for two hours, like I said earlier on, and then eat protein again within your post-workout window. In practice, this kind of means that you might go up to four hours um, without sort of topping up those sort of that protein intake. Therefore, personally, if you, I would say if you were to add a serving or more of essential amino acids, you know, into your intro workout, this is just going to help that ongoing sort of stimulus of um, of building once you finish training. But also, it's a window of opportunity to just help you reach your daily protein intake uh, easier, opposed to not hitting it. Because sometimes, you know, when I tell clients how much protein they need to eat to to gain tissue, they can they can kind of be, always get a little bit overwhelmed and be like, "Damn, I'm struggling to hit it. I'm struggling to hit it. I'm struggling to hit it." And I'm like, "Right." easy way to hit this is put protein into workout you know 20 grams of protein um whether that's you know 10 grams of essential amino acids and then 10 grams of whey isolate or some mixed in um really really helpful for guys that are assisted or maybe perhaps need to take in a lot of protein across the day um, and as i said you know i i would always favor going with eas um over something like bc bcas um alongside having cyclic dextrin and the in a long-winded way i try to say there that the pros of help of taking that will be that you're going to optimally stimulate muscle protein synthesis more frequently across the day it's going to aid in the recovery process but also it's going to help you reach your daily protein intake 
However, there's where well, there's pros, there's got to be some cons. Um, and I wouldn't be doing this podcast, you know, I wouldn't be making it and and going through it if I didn't list some kind of cons or the kind of quote unquote against argument. And and those those who are not in favour of these supplements will kind of often quote evidence based research and um, taking essential amino acids into workout as no measurable benefit or change to muscle protein synthesis across the day and they ultimately conclude that they're not needed and you get all your protein from your diet um, and you know what they're they're more well, they're more than likely right however and this is the big however the conclusions that they draw from a lot of these studies need to be interpreted with a little bit of caution um, and this is because you know the study participants are often not represented of, of what you typically see within the industry, you know, they're they're not doing these studies on physique athletes, bikini girls, figure girls, you know, male bodybuilders, physique guys, classic physique guys. They're doing them on like elderly individuals, people that have maybe perhaps trained or, or just got into trainer and newbies. Um, so you can imagine that <coughs> you'd have a hard time controlling for all the the different factors. I mean, if it was the case, if they were doing this on competitors, you'd have a a tough time trying to control all the factors and. Personally, like I don't think, let's say a physique athlete would be too keen on potentially taking a, an essential amino acid for a few weeks, that, or or not, you know, one that could be a placebo. And they're like, because because bodybuilders we're all about the one percent, so we're like, well, fuck, if I could take it to work out and that gives me a one percent benefit, I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna fucking take that. Um, however, as I said, these the studies that they they usually do on are or, or on kind of untrained or kind of untrained individuals, or when they say trained, as I said, someone's been lifting for two or three months, someone's maybe elderly, someone's over 50, um, that's maybe not had much lifting experience whatsoever. So what we would assume is that in that scenario that muscle protein synthesis is going to be so like so big anyway, so powerful anyway, um, I feel that it's kind of inc- it's, it's not fair to, to draw a conclusion from a study whose participant base is is very different from what we'll be doing. This is where when you look at research, you really need to look at it with a pinch of salt and not just take take everything um, everything as sort of gospel, shall we say. However, um, I think that you know there is very very limited amount of research on, as I said, people. People like us, physique athletes, competitors, people getting ready for photo shoots, whatever. So, it, it's all that, that we've got to go go by, right? And you could argue that, okay, Von, well, protein that isn't digested by the body, the body tries to get rid of it. So, you know, if I'm not using it, am I just pissing it out? Um, and, and I would say that that's a that's a fair argument. I would, as I would say though, you train very hard. You have a high protein intake. You've got a large amount of muscle mass, quite strong. I honestly would recommend definitely putting in protein into workout in the form of essential amino acids or um, your Pepto Pros, etc. But ultimately, the the benefits of of into workout um, come from the combination of using your HBCD plus your essential amino acids. And I'm going to chuck in the mix creatine as well. You'll know all about that from reading the article on the website, I'm sure, if not listen to the podcast about it. But it's really the combination. You know, I talked earlier on about we have HBCD post-workout or um, or whatnot. We combine that with protein. You know, We know that HBCD is going to help offset muscle protein breakdown. You need to have protein in their consumption to stimulate the building process. 
So those essential amino acids that you consume, well, they're boom, they're there, they're ready to be absorbed, used as the body for recovery straight away, particularly um, if you've consumed them around that sort of training parameter, they're getting driven into muscle um, to help and support that recovery process. So listen, I hope that that sort of break, breaks it down um, in regards to what is HPCD, but also at the same time, you know, do you need protein into workout? Some of the pros, um, some of the cons as well. I actually didn't give too many cons there, um, but hey-ho. Listen, guys, I'm going to leave it there. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Um, any questions, as always, give me a shout. And remember that wherever you are, whatever you do, give it the beans.